We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. Thud, 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 thud. <laughs> Boomerang. Boom. Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of the show, live from the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. It is a big red Monday. we got Cliff Kingsbury joining us at 145, as he does each and every week during the NFL season. So we'll get to catch up with him. It's the first time Wolf have got to talk to him since they got Hopkins back, since they went out there and uh, and were able to beat the Saints on Thursday Night Football. And now Yay! they get ready for Minnesota. That's uh, amazing right there. Jan Brewer owns Beat the Saints. Yay. I was talking to one of the producers on the news Owns side, it. and they were saying that they... Beat the Saints! Yay! Yay! I forget who it was last week that talked to Jan Brewer. I was there. I mean, I I was you right there. Rally? I was right there when Jan <laughs> Brewer said that. And it was it Gatos was, and Chad. Was it Ga- it, yeah, it was Gatos and Chad. She doesn't necessarily... I don't think she remembers that chant. Yeah, I, yeah it's amazing to me. I've listened. It's all I remember. How many public appearances, though, does the Quite former a few. governor have? Yeah, I would imagine. Any of them right. bigger than beat the Saints? I, I I doubt it. But yet at the same time, I was right there, man. We can do it. We can do it. We can beat the Saints. She's right, yeah. Man. That was that was awesome. We're about it. beat the Saints. Look, you know, it doesn't matter where your political pers- persuasion is, based on onions. I mean, honestly, we can all agree that was awesome. Well, you can all agree, beat the Saints. Yeah, they did. Uh, okay, I want to play this clip for you, Wolf. Now, this is going back to Friday night's game, and a lot of times, you know, the Suns will play on Friday night, they'll play on Sunday. Well, we don't have a show on Saturday unless you want to start doing a show on Saturday. I can tell by the look on your face you don't. So <laughs> a lot of times you don't really get to catch up on what happened on Friday other than hey, they won or they lost. Well, they lost in overtime to the Portland Trailblazers who incidentally are 3-0. and Not the, the worst time of year to catch Portland is early in the year when Dame is playing. Oh, he's, yeah. He's just putting up 40 every night. <laughs> when Dame is playing. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an issue. Uh, not only is he putting up 40, he He's, uh, he's talking, as Dame often likes to do, and you can be the judge as to whether or not this got to DeAndre Ayton, because the end of overtime, Suns down 113-111 on Friday night, DA gets fouled, goes to the line, hit them both, we're going to basically double overtime probably. Damian Lillard, if you were watching, walks up and says something to him, and then walks away. DA misses the first one. Now, he had to miss the second one. He missed it perfectly, actually, to Jock Landale. He just missed the, the putback. This is Damian Lillard if, after the game on Friday on what he said the DA. I only asked him, I said, have you ever been in this situation before? Because <laughs> it's not easy, you know, when you when you have to make the free throws. That's not an easy situation to be in because it's the whole game doesn't come down to one possession. You know, it's a lot of things that happen, but in a way, you know, you're looking at it like this is a chance to tie the game. So I just asked him, like, I just wanted him to think about it a little bit, like, you know, have you ever been in this situation? And he ignored me, and when he ignored me, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's thinking about it, like, these these big free throws. <laughs> Look, I hate it. I wanted the Suns to win, obviously. Um, but I do like that tact of just, you know, not screaming in your face, not not Draymond sucker punching you in the face, just, uh, have you ever taken a shot like this before? Yeah. All right, I'll leave. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it sounds like something Devin Booker would do, honestly. Him it, and Damian exactly Miller are very right. similar. Yes. You know what, honestly, that that's the first thing I was thinking about, too, is just how similar I think the smoldering Devin Booker actually may have approached that or probably has done that with some. <laughs> 
somebody else, a young guy, have you ever done this before? I love Dame. I'm a big Dame fan, as too. you well know, and I know you are as I well. Know you're a big fan I, of his I'm, music too. I, honestly, <laughs> no. Um, but having said that, uh, it also reminded me. Um, you know what? You can uh, the the trash talking is not yelling at somebody. It's not just yelling at somebody. Philip Rivers was really really famous for trash talking, where he'd never use any profanity whatsoever, yeah. and yet get inside your head. There's a way of actually doing it that I think is okay. Um, I, I remember being out on the football field, of course, in between the white lines, and looking at a guy saying after a guy that I just absolutely destroyed on the football field, and, and never forget base I got destroyed many times on the football field. Many. This was one of the times where I destroyed somebody else, and I said, is your wife in the stands? I, I was yelling at him. He can, I, your wife's up there. What you, you, she's watching this right now. <laughs> you got to get it together, man. I got to tell you, man, the head was, I was pretty proud of myself at that point in time for some trash talking. You sound like you're like still that. pretty proud of yourself. <laughs> and look, that's good. That's good. I would say it's very good. It's not quite as good as Jack Lampert saying, hey, I think your mommy's called. Okay, uh, you're, <laughs> I, I can't even believe you brought you that brought up. You brought that up. You totally brought that up. <laughs> Up right now. You know you how many were... people have brought that up to me since that show last week? How many people have mentioned that story? Can you to me? imagine the dude who grabs me on the neck roll? Grabs me on the neck roll. I turn around and it's a guy that I've you know known forever and thought this is one of the greatest football players. This is the great. This is the meanest man on the face. Ronnie, I think your mommy's calling you. And he was right. My mommy was calling me at that point in time. The the ripping that I took all the way up the tunnel. Uh, anyways. Why get so distracted on this, Loke? Bring it well, back. We're talking to about what classic we're talking trash about. talk, and I would say that's a um, classic moment in trash w- talk history. <laughs> was definitely, he wasn't even in uniform either at that point in time. <laughs> um, but DA, do you think it got in DA's head? That's the question. Did it work? <laughs> I think there's it's, maybe some truth possible. there. I mean, it, it was it was funny if you saw it as it happened because it was very clear. <laughs> Damian Lillard came up, said something, and again, it fit into character with Damian Lillard of just there was no emotion on his face. He wasn't like, "Hey, you're going to miss this shot," or "Hey, you know, you suck, you're terrible." He was just like, he clearly said something. He told us what he said, at least a version of it that he could say on the radio, and then. Uh, Da missed the free throw. I don't know if that's why he missed it, but that's. I love his attitude. I love who he is. Honestly, um, I'm talking about Dame once again. Music actually think, isn't that bad either. Do I think that he actually may have gotten Da's head? Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit right there. Maybe that's something for DeAndre Ayton to work on. Um, no doubt. But do you remember when um, a few years ago Dame hit this game winner and the the mob that he was surrounded by his teammates. The one where he like landed on the floor? He that, landed yeah. on the floor. Yeah. And you remember the look on his face as he was looking at the camera, expressionless. Yeah. No, he is this like expre- cold-blooded. He is, he is just he like is. next. That's what I mean, man. He is. And this is why this is not a surprise that he actually did this to DA. No. Not a surprise. And, and he could pull it off so well, couldn't he? Just come, coming up and meaning it, too. Have you ever 
been in this situation yeah. before. <laughs> Can't you just see it? I can totally see what? him doing that. It's beautiful. Tough man. spot to Classic. be in. All right, I'm going to go walk back towards center court. Good luck with these free throws <laughs> with everybody watching in the game on the line. All right, we come back. What kind of team are the Cardinals facing in the Vikings on Sunday? Well, they're facing an incredibly healthy team. We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Beat the Saints! Yay! Love you, bro. Love you. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Alright, we're gonna talk about uh, the Vikings here in just a second, Wolf. You want to talk about hitting the panic button though. About the Colts. Announcing Frank Reich announcing they're going away from Matt Ryan, who they just went out and got. And making Sam Ellinger the starting quarterback. And according to Adam Schefter, uh, this is this is Frank Reich's quote on his team's quarterback change. Quote, right now the move is for Sam to be the starter for the rest of the season. Unquote. Boy, how about that? That didn't work out so well. Man, you know what? I was so dead wrong on that, Basin Orleans. I thought that Matt Ryan was going to get off in that offense. I thought he was really going to do well. Um, That was not the case. And you have to wonder right now, if Matt Ryan's not going to do well in that offense, and I know the offensive line has really been banged up as well. They they went from having one of the best offensive lines in the league to being just decimated for the most part. But having said that, I have to wonder, could this be it for Matt Ryan? Yeah, the Colts are 3-3-1. Are three, three and one. I mean, if they win that game yesterday, they're in first place in the AFC South, which is not the most impressive division in football, certainly. But they lose to the Titans, so they're now like a game and a half back, and they're making a switch to you know, Sam Ellinger. Is, he's never really done much in the NFL. Isn't Nick Foles, I think, is their third string? I don't know. It, the interesting move there by the Colts to go with a guy that has attempted zero passes in the NFL, I believe, if I'm reading this right zero career passes and they've decided to turn their season over to him all right we talked earlier about how the nfc not really a lot of impressive teams there's philadelphia philadelphia is very impressive i'll give them that um the giants are six and one but if you go through almost all of their games in fact all of their wins have been by one score um and some of them have been by one point so impressive that they keep winning but not a team you line up against and you're like oh how are we going to beat the giants the other team, Wolf, that maybe maybe I just need to believe in them more than I do is the Minnesota Vikings, who the Cardinals are going to play this weekend. They are 5-1. and one. <laughs> They do have Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. I just feel like they go down this path every year and then melt down. Yeah, where do you begin when you think of the Minnesota Vikings? You have to begin with the fact that they are 5-1. and one. And Kirk Cousins, don't say Kirk, Mason, I don't even say Kirk Cousins, of course. Um, listen, this guy has always posted numbers, yet uh, rarely won some big games. And you have to wonder where all this is headed for the Minnesota Vikings. Being 5-1 and one right now, and Kirk Cousins is playing well. I said Kirk, of course. Um, 
You know, but the talent he has around him offensively, you already mentioned Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Yeah. And all these guys are healthy, by the way, the Minnesota Vikings, even though they take the exact same approach and how they prepare their team and how they practice during the year and in training camp as well. As Cliff Kingsbury, they take the exact same approach. They've got 21 of 22 starters that haven't missed a start. It's Think about that. It's, uh, we're going into week eight of the NFL season. <laughs> no! And the Vikings, of their 22 starters, you say one of them has missed a start? One. One, one of them. So they've got all these guys, and all these guys are really, really healthy right now. Um they're not a great. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call them a juggernaut offense by any stretch of the imagination. They've won a lot of close games as well. Um, their defense, I think, is very, very good. And there's going to be some familiar faces. Jordan Hicks is the weak side inside linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings, and Pat P, of course, is a starting corner for the Minnesota Vikings. So their defense is pretty good. Too, right in the middle of the pack, I would say. Uh, Daniil Hunter, who, remember there were rumors in the offseason they were going to move him and then decided not to, and all of a sudden they're 5-1. and one. You ask, okay, where does this all end for the Vikings? Where is this all going? I feel like I have a pretty good idea with the Vikings, Wolf. It ends with them losing their first playoff game, whether that's whether they get a first-round buy. I guess they're not going to get a first-round buy unless they're the number one seed now. So I would assume it ends with the Vikings having a really good regular season and losing in the first round of the playoffs. But that doesn't really help the Cardinals one way or the other on Sunday. What I would say is here are the teams they've beaten. And again, I'm not trying to poke holes in what Minnesota has done, but... They are a beatable team. They beat Green Bay in Week 1. Green Bay never shows up for Week 1. They just don't. They never show up to Week 1 of the season. Relax. Uh, the game that I think... We, Aaron Rodgers isn't saying that this year. I've noticed. Uh, the game I think most of us saw was uh, Minnesota and Philadelphia on Monday Night Football in Week 2. Minnesota looked terrible, but Kirk Cousins always is bad in primetime. Their wins after that... The, they beat the Lions by four. They beat the Saints by three. They beat the Bears by seven. And they beat Miami without Tua by eight. Okay. So so what's your point? I, we're not talking <laughs> you're about... Not, you're not buying the five and one right now. The I, Minnesota I think Vikings. they this are... This is what I'm feeling from you. Decent. I think you're probably right about that. Um, yet at the same time, the Arizona Cardinals have been pretty much right in the middle of the road They're when not, you consider I, offense, defense, and special I'm teams. I'm sure Minnesota's as well. favored, and they should be. Um, listen, you already mentioned the fact that their defense, uh, their defense is capable of getting after the quarterback. Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith, those two guys coming off the edge. That, that I would say is the strength of their defense. Um, their secondary isn't great. They're giving up a lot of yards, and that's kind of interesting because you've got Harrison Smith as one of your big-time players on that defensive side of the ball who plays safety, strong safety. He's an excellent open-field tackler. He's a guy that does a lot of things good, but he can get exposed from time to time in coverage, and right now, that's where the Minnesota Vikings are struggling the most. It's on the defensive side of the ball in terms 
terms of stopping the pass. And also, I would say the red zone as well. Um, number 31 in red zone conversions allowed, which is stunning to me because they haven't given up a lot of points. Yeah, how are you winning that many games if you're letting the other team score in the red zone? You like have you're horrible in the red zone, yet you're only giving up 19.7 points. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, <laughs> oh, wait. I think I figured it out. Wait a minute. That means, okay, you're not giving up a lot of red zone possessions because your rush defense is pretty good, but you're probably giving up 22, 25-yard touchdown throws into the end zone. You're giving up 40-yard touchdown throws. You're giving up some big plays because your pass defense is number 29 in the National Football League in terms of passing yards per game allowed. And passing yards per play allowed, you're number 31. So their secondary has really struggled. So if the Minnesota Vikings don't get to you with their pass rush, you can expose their secondary. Well, here comes DeAndre Hopkins. And am I missing anybody on Minnesota's defense? I mean, who are they most likely if they're going to? They're not probably going to just put one guy on DeAndre Hopkins, but we assume we're going to see a lot of D Hop against Patrick Peterson, and I will take my chances if I'm the Cardinals. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, I doubt they'll ghost him at all. I think they'll have a lot of combination of man and zone and probably make. Mixing it up on they, DeAndre they Hopkins, they, they have to. Yeah, yeah you know what? Um, I'm sure they're going to play that safety over the top. They're going to bracket him. They're going to do something special uh, with DeAndre Hopkins. But yeah, this is a this is a game where once again, if you've got issues with your pass offense and you'd like to clean some of these things up, like your pass protection, and I would also say your route combination and getting Kyler Murray into a rhythm. This would be a game where you could possibly do that. Well, we'll see. We, it's just weird. We've, we've got a full week now coming off that uh, that mini buy, but this is this is the sort of game where if you win this game and you're at 500 and you just beat you know one of the two or three best teams in the NFC record wise. Again, I, I get what Minnesota's doing, and they are dangerous with Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. They they have underachieved, I feel like, for the last couple of years with these guys. But I just think when you get into January and you're telling me it's Vikings Niners in the first round, I'm taking the 49ers. Yeah. I'll just tell you right now. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. How are things looking for the Cardinals division rivals? <laughs> NFC West is weird this year. We're going to go around the NFC West next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Here we go! Quick! Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Let's go! Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Right, just the way everybody expected the NFC West to play out this year, right, Wolf? Seven weeks into the season, and the Seahawks are in first place. Pete Carroll. Four and three this year. Um, 
Okay, here we are. I guess the Seahawks are in first place. I do like Kenneth Walker, though. That's scary. Oh, you see what my he did goodness. Yes, the he is. Um, be afraid, Basinonians. Be very, very afraid, because that is something that we're going to see for years. I think he, he was only a few picks after Brees Hall in the draft. Right? I remember him being really good in college last year, and he was just... I mean, they drafted him oh, to be the two, starter. That's two Brees Hall references you've made I know. Tonight. I guess we're right? trying to make one every hour. I'm <laughs> serious. Well, because Brees Hall was the clear, like, he was heading towards Rookie of the Year status this year. But Kenneth Walker's not like some guy Seattle pulled off of waivers, if you haven't heard of him. He was, you know, pretty good running back for Michigan State, and now here he is, and he's he ran all over the Chargers yesterday to the tune of 168 yards and two touchdowns. Seattle's 4-3. and three. They beat the Chargers by 14. They uh, lost DK Metcalf in that game. Here's uh, here's Ian Rappaport on a, a potentially positive report for Metcalf today. Yeah, a positive report for DK Metcalf, the Seahawks star receiver. Went down yesterday, kind of landed funny on his knee, was walking off, and it seemed that something was badly wrong, and he was ruled out very quickly. Usually not a good sign. Uh, but it sounds like a patellar tendon strain is what the initial diagnosis was for the Seahawks, which means no surgery. That's very good. Not season-ending. Also very good. And basically, DK Metcalf is now week-to-week just having to rehab and just try to get that thing better. Described as a pretty odd injury, so the Seahawks are going to do more tests and really figure out what is next for DK Metcalf. You know, what looked initially, guys, like it was serious and significant, turns out to be not at all. I talked to someone who's literally just watching DK Metcalf after the game walk away, and he's like, he doesn't look injured at all. Yeah, doesn't look injured at all. I think maybe there's something going on in DK Metcalf's brain. I have no idea. I really don't. Um, he just didn't look like the same DK Metcalf when the Cardinals even played the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Really did not look like that. Now, once again, um, that's just my take on it, based on onions. I haven't heard anything in regard to this, but it just seems like something is a little off with DK Metcalf up there as well, but it certainly isn't with Kenneth Walker the third. Oh no, it is not. Here's a guy in the last three games. Stop and think about this. Last three games, he's got 52 rushing attempts for 353 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, that's like you said, he's going to be a problem for a while. This is Pete Carroll yesterday saying this is our recipe for winning games. Anytime we can go out and, and, and run the ball for a bunch bundle, 160 or something, and uh, take care of the football like Gino did, throwing it 20 for 27, you know, really efficient stuff, and then play defense to complement that. We know that we're going to be good on team, so it, it, it just it just fits together really well. Okay, so I, I can buy into the whole, you've got DK Metcalf, even though he hasn't been himself, and you've got Tyler Lockett, and you've got Kenneth Walker, and at the start of the season, you had Rashad Penny. Their defense wasn't supposed to be good. In fact, their defense really hasn't been good, and yet they're still winning football games. But, Wolf, you you talked about Seattle way back in the offseason when I was saying, look, I hope they win like five games. Yeah. Because that means they're just kind of, they're not bad enough to get a C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or whoever ends up being the top, you know, two or three picks. But they're not good enough to win the division. 
you kept saying you thought, okay, Pete Carroll, if he's not leaving, he's going to run things his way. They don't got yeah. roster anymore. Is this what you envisioned? Because it, he seemed, uh, yeah, if you have a running back get you 160 yards, Pete, you're going to win pretty much every week. Yeah, for the most part, um, minus the defense. The defense being as bad as the defense has been, except the Arizona Cardinals game. But this is the offense you thought he would try to run, not not knowing Geno Smith was going to be this good. Yeah, no, I thought the offense they were going to try to be balanced and not let Russ cook, so to speak. Now all of a sudden you're going to let Geno cook. No, you're going to be balanced. Denver's and not that's letting exactly Russ cook what they did. Uh, that's exactly how they played yesterday. Just 27 pass attempts. Uh, I think this is Pete Carroll wanting to do it his way. Um, the total rebuild right now, uh, I th- it's a long season, but 4-3 and three is probably blowing Pete Carroll's mind and John Schneider's mind because I don't think they thought they were going to be 4-3. and three. I, I really don't. And um, I would be surprised if they tell you, oh no, I always believe that. <laughs> I always believe. We were going to be, after seven weeks of the season, we were going to be number one in the NFC West. Yes, Pete would say, he would that. say that. There's no doubt. But they've got to be really shocked and surprised that they are He's in probably first place. a little bit happier than John Schneider, too. Schneider's probably like, okay, we got to like rebuild. This is a great draft class for quarterbacks. Like we got to. And Pete Carroll's probably like, look, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this. How yeah. old is Pete Carroll? He's like 70, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is. He's like, yes. I'm not going to sit around for a rebuild. We'll just win a, a wide-open division anyway. This is kind of how Seattle got into prominence, whatever that was, 15 years ago. Remember they won the division with like yeah. seven wins? Yeah. That's how this all started with the Seahawks. I know. And at the same time, I'm having a hard time buying what it is that I'm seeing because I saw on tape, I saw that defense on tape. They they were atrocious on tape. And suddenly, the defense didn't look atrocious against the Arizona Cardinals and did not look atrocious against the Chargers. So, you know, and this is Pete Carroll. This is what Pete Carroll has done many, many times. The last two years in particular, go back and look at it. The Seattle Seahawks started the season defensively horribly Mm -hmm. in the last two seasons and then got better as the season went along. Is that happening again? That'd be really irritating if it was. Wouldn't it? Yes, it would. They were supposed to be gone this year. They weren't even supposed to be a factor. Here's who they have coming up, Wolf. They've got the Giants this Sunday, and then they've got your Arizona Cardinals next Sunday. Okay, That game at State Farm Stadium in two weeks is huge if you're serious about making a run at this division, yeah. because whether you believe it or not, Seattle's in first place, and the Seahawks have Tampa real quick. Please Seahawks. don't sell your tickets. Please don't sell your tickets. <laughs> not to a Seahawks. Please don't do that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> listen, once again, now, if, if you want to do it, that's fine. Just please don't sell your tickets and then walk around and tell everyone, yeah, I'm part of the Red Sea. I have I'm the biggest Cardinal fan. Don't don't do that, please. Well, or you can just sell your tickets to another Cardinals fan. There are plenty of them out there. Um, the 49ers lost yesterday to the Chiefs 44-23, as we were talking about earlier. They get the Rams next week. The Rams were off. So, again, look at the teams in this division coming up. You've got the 49ers and Rams playing. With San Francisco always beats the Rams somehow. Totally. And that probably would pick them to beat the Rams at this point because they're probably the more talented team. Got a better roster. And then you've got the Seahawks playing the Giants. Now, the Cardinals don't have an easy game. They're playing the Vikings, but I'm just saying it's not like it's not like Seattle's got Chicago and then the 49ers and Rams each have Chicago after Seattle or something. The path is there. You're probably going to keep getting help in this division. You're eventually going to have to 
string some wins together yourselves. But door's going to be open in this division for a while. How much better can this offense be for the Arizona Cardinals with D-Hop back? Well, it's funny you uh, you mentioned that because we're going to ask their sideline reporter, Paul Calvisi, is joining us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. <laughs> Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Welcome back to the show on a Big Red Monday out here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. Cliff Kingsbury will join us in about two hours, 145, so actually exactly two hours, Wolf. But joining us right now... Your friend and mine, yeah. Paul Calvisi, Cardinals sideline reporter, kind enough to come all the way in here and do this uh, segment. So I would assume everybody will be nice to each other. Paul, well, how are you doing? The red phone rang, and the Maloney said the Wolf was giving us game review on a Suns game from <laughs> mid-October. So I had to jump in, and uh, here we go. Here we go. We'll see if we're friends by the end of this segment there, Luke. We'll see. Well, Polly, did you bring your media guide, Polly, so you can actually <laughs> read out of that thing to us? That'd it's be cool. great. Okay. Just because I'm loading everything into the prompter right now for the Cliff Kingsbury TV show that you'll be reading off of. You know what? Maybe I'll just hit delete for your part. I like that, Bowie. Just you change it like Ron Burgundy. Right. Just right. put like a question mark exactly. at the end. Yeah, you yeah. come up with some of these questions. You know, I can tell Paul Lance. You know, there's, Paul there, there's a reason he's getting bagged on by the head coach on a right. weekly basis All now. Right. Just stop so it. Somebody's got to start writing it for him. Yeah, we're going to have to ask yeah. Cliff about that, too. Um, all right, Paulie, uh, well, now that we've had a few days, just starting to react to what we saw from DeAndre Hopkins and this offense. Far from a finished product, but at least a step in the right direction. As we've been talking about all morning, it's not like the NFC looks like it's anything amazing right, right. now. So what, what do you think of this uh, offense going forward? Think about it. A year ago, the Cardinals went 4-0 against the NFC least, and now they're back to being the NFC beast, and they basically have all the winning teams other than Minnesota and then Seattle with that 4-3 and record. Uh, but in Minnesota, you know, we'll get into that the rest of the week. But as for this Cardinals team, <laughs> Wolf obviously knows the key to last week was the players-only meeting orchestrated by DeAndre Hopkins. I when did that allegedly take place, we got to get into this and I, figure I out exactly when this happened. I can tell you this much, that after the Philadelphia loss at home, Buda Baker had something to say in that post-game locker room. And it was very emotional. It was very passionate. I don't know exactly what he said, but a lot of guys cited it after this home win, that it was time to end that home losing streak, that it was past the point of embarrassing and vexing and everything else you want to use. And so a lot of guys fed off that. And then DeAndre Hopkins shows up and he orchestrated the players-only meeting. And according to what he told Amazon Prime, he made sure Kyler was the first to speak. He thought that was important. And other guys had things to say. And, and, And you know what? We were talking to Eno after the game in the post-game radio interview, and he said just how much Hop was talking, period, up and down the sideline. I can't hear it, but I can see it. Uh, you can see you know, Hop talking in the huddle, which Eno cited. A lot of guys mentioned that. And guess what? DeAndre Hopkins was mic'd up. Yeah, It's going to be a heck of a wired episode this week that's going to come from the Cardinals because D-Hop was mic'd up, and it's going to be really interesting to hear what indeed he had to say throughout well, that game. Especially, Paulie, because he was the one standing between Connor and Cliff when they yeah, were having their... Right. So that's going to yeah. be interesting, Paul. Hello. Yeah, this whole marriage comparison. I've never what? been married, but people tell me it can get sideways at times. You know what's amazing <laughs> about that? I, I saw that as leadership as well with D-Hop being the one that was right there, right? I mean, honestly, 
This stuff happens. You know, Paulie, I've, tell, I've talked to you about this many times in regard to yelling at my coach, right? The position coach or even a head coach going jaw to jaw with a head coach, which was not a smart thing to do. Do you know how many times stuff happens on a sideline over yeah. my almost 20 years that's not caught by the cameras? Right. Do you know how many? I mean, well, it's like every game. It right? wasn't that long ago that I saw two defensive assistant coaches going at each other's throats and had to be separated. There's a lot of alpha males on that sideline. There's no doubt. And again, you've got to do it in a respectful way. You do. You have to always be respectful. You can go at it. You can go jaw to jaw. You can come to almost blow seriously. You got to be respectful in what you say. And here's the thing about D Hop. And Cliff actually mentioned this if you read between the lines earlier in the week leading into the Thursday night game that he's that guy, that player that no one wants to disappoint. For the Buccaneers, obviously, it's Tom Brady, right? Not so much this year, but in their Super Bowl winning year. How many guys did you hear? In fact, A.Q. Shipley told us that on the Big Red Rage, right. that everyone in that locker room, they didn't want to disappoint Tom Brady. D-Hop is that guy. He's demanding of everyone else. And because he can do it, in addition to saying it, because he's one of the best at his position, it carries that extra weight. And so his and he re- expects a right. lot of himself, too, Paul. So his return to the offense, obviously, in terms of the production and how the D and D-Hop, everybody now dictates coverage. That's what it stands for and all this other stuff. But there's the standard he sets and expects everyone else to reach that is very important. It's almost like a coach in a way. So as we as you stand right now looking at the Arizona Cardinals three and four on um, the rest of the NFC, of course, there are six other teams that have three wins. It's truly amazing. There are only four teams that have five or six wins in the conference. It it looks like it's still wide open for anybody that could make a run. If in fact that's gonna happen, what do the Cardinals need to do, Paulie, as you see it, to make that run? There's several areas where they're playing winning football. For the most part, defense has been winning football. For the most part. There were some issues, obviously, on Thursday night. They're not turning the ball over. In fact, I think they lead the league with the fewest turnovers in the NFL. Look at the Saints. They have the most turnovers in the NFL. So that's that's the biggest difference you can get in winning or losing any sort of ball game. So there are certain elements to the Cardinals that is indeed winning football. I think some of these guys that are starting to play better and produce right now, there's a correlation to missing August. A Marcus Golden. There's the reason Marcus Golden looks better the last two games because he didn't really have August. He had missed the entirety. And and so, now the state of the offensive line? Okay, there, there's there's another concern. In, I'm, including I'm concerned edge rush. about the state of the offensive line yeah. right now, well, just because of how banged up they truly are, and the guys are starting. How many guys can you actually lose? How many starters can you actually miss these games? As many man games as they have, and not pay the price at some point. Obviously, the game before when Justin Pugh went out, the production went down the drain, and it was correlated directly with him leaving. They had six first downs in those first two drives when he's in the game, and then they had six over the next seven drives when he's out of the game. Cody Ford, how did he grade out? Run and pass. We'll see. He was up and down, yeah. You know, keep in mind, he hadn't played a full contact, full exactly goal right. game That's why I was going to give him a lot of yeah. grace on that ball. Now, Rodney Hudson on the sideline, how close is he to returning? He's walking with a limp. What does that mean? Billy Price came in. It was definitely an upgrade over the game Sean Harlow had played the week before. Okay, we know how important it is to deny that interior pressure on Kyla Murray, so that's the biggest, you know, 
concern by far to me when I watch the Cardinals offense. And then, of course, you know, if you can get Robbie Anderson to incorporate a little bit, and if you believe Hollywood Brown is going to be back in four to six weeks, okay, now what? Look at how they use DeAndre Hopkins. And you know what? Cliff sort of dismissed the question after the game, and I cited next-gen stats that said he was used in four different spots in offense, DeAndre Hopkins. All of last season, he was used in three different spots. Yes. So Yes. Okay. Is that a schematic change with DeAndre Hopkins? That, that's to be – you need yes. to write that down, Luke. Okay? Ask that a little bit later right here. That's a lot of Paul, okay. You read that in the media guide, too. That was <laughs> we should have – like, I just cited next-gen oh, stats. You need well, to do like a dramatic read from the media. Media guy, that should be a segment on the show. I'm still caught up on the D and D hop standing for dictates. Is that dictates how opponent plays? Is that what exactly. D hop stands dictates for? Dictates coverage, exactly. And Kyler's ability then to go through his reads and find the open guy. Yeah, sure. I know. Can you also known as the passapartout? Yes, if you want to get French with it, can you do what Marco Wilson did that that leap into the end zone? Because we talked about this last week. The wolf said yeah. if he tried to jump over a car, he would just fly through somebody's windshield. That honestly, Paul, was the best meme okay. I have ever. Seen. Am I, and you know I'm not big on memes. You know he's Paulie. a big meme I'm fiend. not big on memes, okay, but that meme will live forever. You know, There's Paul, no doubt. Andy Dalton in the background. Did you see that he had a, a video of I don't know, his high school days where he's done a, doing a bunch yeah, of that sort of thing? So, I mean, he's been there and done that before, but to watch that from the sideline, to watch that from sea level, and to see the elevation he got, and how he flew 10 yards in the air, and he's up in the air. I'm like, now what's he going to do? And they did the front flip and stuck the landing. Can you imagine? Sir? Andy obviously missed it. Andy Dalton. I'm sure somebody said that. best part him. about yeah. it. His back was turned to it. And right behind him, that was happening right now. Andy probably, regrettably, misses that. Yeah. Uh, well, he probably he wished a role he saw it. that. So think about it. Antonio Hamilton had the pick. He had two passes defensed, right? The yes. week before, he did a really good job on DK Metcalf. Now, Marco Wilson, if he's playing to a caliber, you can really trust him. And teams still continue to test Marco Wilson. And then by and Murphy is getting to the point, at least this season, where he is that shutdown guy. Three legit corners. You have three legit corners in any day defense, and guess what? I mean, you talk about how you feel and how bullish you are in the rest of the season. Think of what we were talking about in August versus now in October and that position group itself. Not what I would have expected from that position group. You could have told me at the start of the season, hey, they're going to be 3-4 and because they don't have Hopkins yeah. for the first six games. Okay, yeah. You could have told me the NFC West is even going to be wide open. You couldn't have told me Geno Smith was going to be this good, and you couldn't have told me the Cardinals were going to have three legit corners because they really didn't do much to address it in camp or And you couldn't have told me that Tom Brady was going to be this bad. Look, bottom line, and I said it a month ago, and I'll say it again, the vibe I get from this team on the sideline in the locker room is that, you know what? We're just biding our time. We're staying in the pack, and then when the final exam comes around, we're going to ace the final exam. You don't get anything for being the New York Giants right now, being 6-1. and one. No, they've, done, they've already tried that. Right, they've done that each of the last two years. How'd that work out for them? So, you know what? Just stay in the pack. It's like that college class where the final grade is determined. 70% of it is the final exam. Yeah. So, boom. Just ace the final. You're good. Can we have both, Paul? I mean, would it be okay to Wolf be 6-1? Wolf just wants an undefeated team. Would it be all right to be 6-1 right now? Just be 17 and 0. Would it be okay? I'd, I'd love for them to be 6-1 and one right now. Honestly, you're right. Your point is well taken, Paulie. But you know what? You can do both. You can actually start strong, and you can finish strong as well, Paul. You guys were remarkably civil to each other this week. As long well, as you're healthy. Well, I mean, it is a mail-in Monday for Wolf, so you have to adjust you know, your expectations accordingly. Uh, yeah, I'm telling Friday you. 
Friday was the Maladin party. You, got, you have to adjust the, those questions on the teleprompter, it's, so he pulls a Ron Burgundy. It's a no-focus Friday and a Maladin Monday. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, As I tell the kids in Little League, there's two things you can control, effort and attitude. Wolf, be better. Paul, nobody wants to hear about how bad of a coach you are. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Paulie. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.